0: Whenever we are having fun, time and space kind of
1: dissolves. We need permission to play, to reconnect with our inner child, to still have
0: a sense of wonder in the world. And what comes out most of the times is great creativity, great poetry, great riffs, home runs, grand slams, or sixes. Hello everyone,
1: I am Varun Soni, and I am the Dean of Religious and Spiritual Life at the University of Southern California. This is More Than a Game, a podcast where we explore the human experience through the lens of sports and search for spiritual wisdom to help us make sense of the time we're living in. Together, we'll ask, what can we learn from the religion of sports to help guide us through this challenging moment? Today's episode, Play. Given all the challenges of the world and all the pain and anxiety around us, it seems almost frivolous to think about the idea of play, like it's a luxury we can't afford right now. But I think that's why it's even more important at this moment. It can help provide us with balance, clarity, and joy, and give us a way to connect with one another, apart from all the problems of the world. And that's why I'm thrilled to welcome to the show my dear friend, Salman Ahmed. Listeners might know Salman is one of the most famous and beloved musicians in Pakistan, He is the founder of the rock and roll band Janoon and has sold 30 million records worldwide. But he's also a cricket player, a UN goodwill ambassador, a professor, a philanthropist. And being South Asian American, he's also a physician. We all have to make our parents proud, I guess. Salman, thank you so much for joining us today from Islamabad, Pakistan.
0: Hey, Varun, great to hear your voice, and uh, I hope everybody, wherever you are, safe and uh, physically distanced and wearing masks.
1: It's so good to hear your voice, too. You know, when I thought of play, uh, and when I was planning this episode, uh, I immediately thought of you because of your life's work, which is play. You play music, you play cricket, and you play at the highest levels. For all of us who might not be familiar with cricket, can you tell us a little bit about the game and your experience playing it?
0: Cricket is the biggest national sport of India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Australia. Wherever the British went, they taught people how to play cricket, and it's an alternative religion. Identity, politics, nationalism, uh, spirituality, all of that in this heady mix, cultural mix, is what cricket is. It's an addictive, infectious sport. (laughs) My friends tell me that when India and
1: Pakistan play each other in cricket, the usual military tensions on the border actually subside
0: because people are tuned into the match. There's no doubt that what sports and music and, you know, arts and culture does, and I've seen it happen in my life, is that it, you know, when they say suspend your disbelief, you know, people get disarmed, their, you know, their passion whichever country you belong to last year was the cricket world cup and each time you know uh, bangladesh was playing against england australia i'd be rooting for bangladesh you know Uh, uh if india was playing australia i'd be rooting for india uh uh but to be honest, when Pakistan plays India, you're not rooting for India if you're if you're a Pakistani, you know. Of course, we still have our tribes, right? Uh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, just that's just us, you know. It's like come on, the, the the Yankees and the Boston Red Sox, you know. If you live in New York, you're not going to be rooting for the Red Sox in Yankee Stadium, you know. So yes, there is a love hate relationship, uh, uh, you know, uh, but. again, you're able to appreciate the other side. And if they beat you fair and square, you know, you're able to say, man, yeah, you, you guys are much better.
1: And so you grew up playing on the streets in the neighborhoods, as so many kids do. But at some point, you also played professionally on the national team in Pakistan when they played in Bangladesh. Pakistan and Bangladesh have a long and contentious and violent history. But when you went to Bangladesh to play cricket for the first time, These two countries weren't fighting on the battlefield. They were fighting on the cricket pitch. Can you talk about that experience representing Pakistan in Bangladesh?
0: Yeah, Varun, so when I graduated from high school and I started playing cricket, within two or three years, I got a chance to play against Imran. Now Imran Khan, for all of those who don't know, is like the Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, uh, uh, Roger Federer off cricket. When he was playing, he was, he was the captain of the team. And one day in 1985, I had an opportunity to bat against him. I was this rookie, but I scored 64 runs against him, you know, which is a big deal. So he asked me, he said, we're going on this first ever tour to Bangladesh. Would you consider being part of the thing? And I looked at him and, you know, my jaw dropped and I said, yeah, you know, I'll go on the tour. When we arrived, we were told that, look, this is the first time a Pakistani, any kind of, you know, sports team is going there and there might be resistance and hostility. So please, you know, be on your best behavior. OK. And, and you know, we were I was 20, 21 years old at that time. Varun, the moment we landed at Dhaka Airport, it was pandemonium, but not in a bad way. They were all saying, Imran, 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 <laughs> Imran, right? And I mean, it showed you how sport transcends politics, religion, you know, everything. And so that's the thing, you know, that I think we both appreciate
1: about the power of sports. When it's state-to-state diplomacy, it's it's the politicians talking. But But when you're on the cricket pitch, it's the people talking. And I want to talk more about Imran Khan. I know he's like an older brother to you. And Imran's story is an extraordinary story, from being Pakistan's greatest sportsman to winning the World Cup in 1992. And now, for those who don't know, Imran Khan is the prime minister of Pakistan. And in part, I think his appeal as political leader is that he was also a leader on the cricket pitch. So people could say, hey, he led us to glory in the World Cup. He can lead Pakistan to glory in other spheres as well. What lessons do you think Imran learned on the pitch, as cricket captain, that that he was able to bring into his new role as the leader of Pakistan?
0: Well, Varun, you know, uh, there was a time in cricket that if Pakistan went to play in India, uh, the home, home umpires, you know, the Indian umpires would be there. And, and vice versa. Now, what would happen because of that is there would be bad decisions and people would scream and you know, that these were biased decisions based on nationalism. So what Imran Khan did when he became uh, uh, you know, the captain of Pakistan, he took a revolutionary step. Imran Khan said, I don't want to play against them with home umpires. Let's get third uh, neutral umpires. Like, and, and two Indian umpires came. He got two umpires from India to come and officiate the games in Pakistan, basically showing to the world that, you know, that we need to have neutral umpires so that all the, all the uh, results, you know, they're above board. Nobody can complain that, look, they were hard done by the, by the umps, you know, and, and th- that experiment that he did then changed the entire cricketing world, that there would be neutral umpires wherever you play. You never, never have home umpires. So merit, right? Second thing. Courage. Because, you know, when you have a, a, a guy coming, running at you with a, you know, red, uh, uh, you know, uh, cricket ball th- uh, and throwing it at you, you know, bowling it at you over a hundred miles per hour, you know, and it's clo- going past your ears. Your, you need courage. So courage, you know, a huge amount of courage, uh, strategy, you know, mind, uh, uh, faith, you know, it requires faith. And Imran Khan applied the same teamwork, Uh, you know, I could go on. Uh, 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 But he applied those uh, those lessons to politics. And it took him a long, 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 long time, a lot of patience, 24 years. And his main slogan was accountability, you know, accountability. And, 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 you know, two years ago, he became prime minister.
1: So I want to switch topics here, Um, just like Imran Khan is like your older brother. I've always seen you as kind of like my older brother. And so I was really distressed several months ago when I got a text from a friend of mine saying, hey, Salman is in the hospital, he's on a ventilator, and he's got COVID. I freaked out. I know that South Asian Twitter was freaking out too. And so I immediately reached out to you and I found out that you weren't hospitalized, but you did have COVID. And you were the first person I knew who had it. This was several months ago, so we didn't know that much about it. And you used that opportunity to really educate others through social media. You chronicled your time in quarantine as you were wrestling with the fear and uncertainty of what this means, because you were really one of the first in our community to go public through all this.
0: Yeah, Varun, so it was April. uh, I was in New York, you know, just uh, north of the city, uh, Manhattan. And, uh, you know, I I had this dizziness and uh, like a headache and there weren't any SOPs at that time. We just didn't know what was going on. So when I got those, uh, you know, we called the hospital and uh, my, my doctor, Dr. Ibelli, you know, he was in a panic because he said, look, just quarantine yourself at home because we have nothing available right now. No tests, no N95 masks, uh, uh, y- you know, no ventilators. Uh, um, so y- y- just stay at home. And, uh, you know, that's what I did. Basically, I stay, uh, you know, I was I was quarantined upstairs in the loft Uh, in New York. And I did a lot of reading. Uh, I did, uh, I wrote songs. I, you know, I was physically distanced. I ate right. I took a lot of antioxidants. So you're just going through the, you know, the rigors. And some days would be very, very bad because you'd feel that, you know, you just can't get out of bed. You know, two or three days in a row, you're so weak. And it was a surreal time. But what it, what it taught me really was, That look, you know, life is fragile and something like this, which has happened, you know, the last time it happened was 100 years ago with the Spanish flu, is that you have to be ready for anything in your life. And now, you know, being a COVID ambassador, uh, you know, uh, for South Asia, I'm just teaching what I learned. We're going to get through it. I I think humanity is definitely going to get through it, but you got to stay positive and you have to follow the SOPs. If you can't do anything, please wear a mask. That's great advice. Hopefully that's what people take from your experience.
1: And I think what this shows us is that we all do have a responsibility for each other. We are connected as a human family. Our actions do matter. Look, one
0: of the things this virus has taught humanity is that you could be a Bollywood superstar or you could be a Hollywood superstar. You could be a rock star, a cricketer, a prime minister, a prince, a king, a president, a governor, you could be rich, poor, black, white, brown, male, female. It is an equal opportunity infector, you know, and, and, and it, it's, it's cut through. I mean, you know, it's not like if you're living in an you know, afflu- affluent country, you're going to be safe. No, this is attacking, you know, the body uh, uh, and it's teaching you. I mean, if you're looking for signs it's like how interconnected we are as, as people, nations, tribes, you know, uh, and, and if we don't care for each other, you know, uh, uh, we're going to have, you know, this is one pandemic. Look at global warming. You know, it's all the world. This planet is very small, very interconnected. And we have to think of each other, whether we are in Islamabad, Chicago or L.A., anywhere. I want to end today where we started, and, and that's with the idea
1: of play. I recently came across a quote by George Bernard Shaw. We don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. I wonder what you think about this quote. What does it mean to you, especially at this moment in your life?
0: Yeah, it's it's a beautiful... Look, uh, as an artist, one of the ways we, we are able to create, you know, poetry and music is... Because there's a child inside that you know it's alive, and it's playful. You know, uh, uh, you know all my memories with cricket and music uh, are about fun. It's about having fun, and I think that quote uh, uh, is very apt. That when whenever we are having fun, time and space kind of dissolves, and what comes out most of the times is great creativity, great poetry great riffs, um, you know, home runs, grand slams, or sixes. That, that's beautiful. I think
1: that's the sort of insight and inspiration that we need right now. We, we need permission to play, to reconnect with our inner child, to still have a sense of wonder in the world. And I think we need to fully embrace that right now because it's more important than ever. So thank you so much for your leadership, your courage, your wisdom, your friendship. I'm so, so grateful. And I cannot wait until we get to hang out together again.
0: Cool, bro! Great to jam with you again. Let's do it again soon.
1: Thanks for listening to More Than a Game. This show comes from Religion of Sports. Our theme music was composed by Michael Kramer. Alex Claiborne is our producer. Jessica Popovac edits this show. Our executive producers are Amit Sankaran, Gotham Chopra, and Adam Schlossman. And I'm your host, Varun Soni. Thanks for listening.